and welcome to the Surveyors Trust podcast. My name is Megan Walker, your host. Today, I have a very special guest with us, John Kenny, who is a solicitor and was instrumental in the very early days setting up the actual trust structure, and which has led to the success of it today. And as I've been researching this and getting to know the people who were involved, it's become very apparent to me that what we now have as the Surveyors Trust today is an absolutely extraordinary achievement that really should be celebrated widely among the surveying industry. So, John, welcome. How are you today? Uh, greetings, Megan. Uh, I'm on Norfolk Island, which is uh, between New Caledonia and New Zealand and uh, uh, an Australian territory, and I'm very pleased to be revisiting these extraordinary circumstances I'm about to unfold. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. And let's start off by saying, um, how did you come to be involved in the first place? And what, what was the year and how did it all happen? In the, uh, I was a copyright lawyer uh, in, in the 70s in Sydney. Um, I discovered copyright, uh, which wasn't a regular subject taught to lawyers in those days, uh, when I began working in the music industry in the mid-70s in Sydney. And in the mid-70s, the music industry transformed itself from a lifestyle to a, to a business, and major record companies started signing local talent. And uh, I acted for a number of those bands at the day, principally Dragon and Rose Tattoo. Uh, but I had peripheral dealings with both My Sex and, uh, and later Mental as Anything. So uh, that great surge of, uh, of music talent, which was celebrated on Countdown every Sunday and Saturday night, I was involved with, and, and that introduced me for the first time to the concept of copyright. Um, and uh, a man who played a, a part in, in the journey we're about to uh, unfold for the listeners, uh, Brett Cottle, who was the uh, uh, chief executive officer of a, of a collection agency called APRA, the Australian Performing Rights Association. He explained to me that when a song is played on radio, three people are being paid. And I thought that was the most extraordinary concept I'd ever heard. And uh, that pretty much set my my course uh, going forward. The uh, success I enjoyed, um, or the bands I enjoyed that I was working for in the late 80s, financed a a copyright course for me at London University. Uh, I felt that um, uh, this was not being properly dealt with in undergraduate courses, so um, the the pop business had been good to me, and so I, I took a year off and went to the London School of Economics and studied copyright and company law. When I got back, I was still an aspirant for the Commonwealth Games and um, uh, as a hurdler, and I came here to race in the trials and began to fall in love with Brisbane. There was a remarkable buzz around Brisbane as we all prepared for the Commonwealth Games in 82, not just amongst the athletic community, but amongst the, the, the population in Brisbane. It was, it was a tremendous feeling in Brisbane, and I thought that this optimistic Australian can-do attitude, they put this Games on, you know, with... With, with little or no help from the federal government, um, this, this, uh, I should be a part of this. So when the games were over, I stayed here and eventually led to, uh, that led to me establishing the first uh, intellectual property uh, law practice in Brisbane, just doing specialist copyright work. And by then, that, uh, there was a, there was a, the prospect that this might turn into a, into a, a major area of, 
of professional concentration. It certainly wasn't at the time. But uh, Micah Hearn was making a fuss about things and Barry Jones was talking about uh, um, uh, uh, the importance of technology and I'd seen both of these men talk. So I had a feeling that this was on. Unfortunately, um, I suffered a, a professional uh, reversal in the late 80s, early 90s. I had a partnership that fell over and so I, I had to go back on the lecture circuit and um, and, and I was uh, a fairly unconventional lecturer. I was talking about IP, uh, intellectual property, copyright, patents, trademarks, to the business community rather than the legal community. So rather than a dry, crusty legal issue, which it had been up until then, I felt that, that the people who were creative needed to hear about this. I, gave, I, I was involved with uh, the, the Queensland University uh, uh, Business School, and they had a, 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 an off, offshoot called the Archaeus Institute, who ran public lectures and took part in a thing called the, 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 the you know, Enterprise Workshop, which was a national business modeling competition. So one day I was lecturing for the Archaeus Institute in this national competition, and some representatives of the Lands Department turned up. And they thought I was a, an, an amusing chap, and, and that maybe I could speak to staff at an internal seminar. They were very uh, attentive to staff education and uh, they were delightful folk and they invited me to come into the uh, the lands department and have a poke around and find something to talk about. Um, being an intellectual property solicitor, I, I hadn't conveyed for 15 years and I wouldn't know one end of a land transaction from the other. And I certain, certainly never took any interest in what the lands department did um, until they kindly invited me to come in and wander around and shake hands with various smart folk in different rooms and I was warmly welcomed. Um, and I went down with another another lawyer because I, I knew I couldn't do it all. I, I took one of the lawyers from um, Fates Rissening, another great law firm in Brisbane at the time. And uh, they that dear girl wandered off in another direction and I got stuck with some folk who were dealing with databases. Um, and at that stage, database law was, was not well developed. We knew that copyright was involved somewhere, but we, we it, the case law hadn't really been teased out. So the effect of being invited down there is that I became aware that some of the actions of the lands department involved the creation of relational databases. So... Uh, they, they were forming r databases that morphed out of earlier models. So one database somehow created a second database and a third database. And I, I thought this was fascinating because this seemed to be happening electronically and, and technically um, and that there didn't seem to be any intelligent design and um, I didn't know the right questions to ask and they didn't explain it too much. But I became aware that the, the Titles Office was probably doing world-leading work in, in the creation of databases. So um, after a while, after maybe a month of having coffee with these folk, um, I went back to the people who had invited me and I said, look, I, I don't know what this means, but I think you're doing something intelligent and interesting with databases here. Maybe there's some copyright issues. Maybe you, know, you should be looking at the copyright transfer between each database and 
what the implications of that were. But beyond that, I hadn't really thought too much about it. Um, it's fair to say that, that being informed of these issues didn't, uh, didn't inspire the Landstrat Department at the time. They thought, look, this is a bit technical for us. We're not really too interested in that stuff at the moment. And so don't call us, we'll call you. So I, I was a little disappointed because I felt I was, I was keen to make friends down there. And this was at a time when other departments, especially um, primary industries, uh, were starting to recognise that, that the Queensland primary industry sector was the best in the world. And, um, and so there was a little bit of a buzz in the air, but this is, uh, this is uh, the early days of the Goss regime and, and this, we were still 10 years away from smart state. So essentially, I put that behind me and um, went back to my fledgling new practice. And three years went by, and I didn't give any more thought to my my uh, short period making friends with the lands department until um, the Institute of Surveyors, headed up by the redoubtable Jack Delange, circulated a, a marketing booklet full of bearded men. Uh, and all these blokes looked the same and dressed the same, and I, I thought there must be all one family. And and I was I was singularly uninspired by this uh, collection of bearded men, and I felt that perhaps they weren't dealing with the issues that might have represented their future. Um, and I wrote back to Jack and said, "Well, look, these bearded men are always well and good, but have you thought about have you thought about spatial data?" Um, uh, because I, I think there's unresolved issues here. I didn't know what they were, but I thought the surveyor should be taking them in, in, in seriously. And it, and it wasn't because necessarily I wanted to get involved. I just passed on the news and was prepared to be ignored. Um, as things have turned out, um, uh, I wasn't ignored. Jack invited me into the workings up there in, uh, in uh, Wickham Terrace in the, in, the, in the medical fraternity precinct. Uh, he had a little office there where they had their meetings and, and that's where I met the ultimate bearded man, Jack Delange. And, uh, you know, there, there's a far bigger story now, but the circumstances of, of me being invited to observe a, a process that certainly not public knowledge and that's serendipitous and happenstance, and uh, it was a fateful coincidence that, that led to these extraordinary elements of entrepreneurship that were initiated by the surveyors in Brisbane, in Queensland generally, but in particular by, by Jack's organisation and, and, and with further precision by Jack himself. John, that's such an incredible intro. Thank you so much. I um, There were a few moments where I thought, gee, we could really head down some fa- fascinating rabbit holes, you know, Dragon, Rose Tattoo and the 1982 games alone were, were just fantastic mentions, um, all incredible in their own right. But uh, what I'd love to hear you talk about now is what work was done between you and Jack? What did you need to do? in order to, you know, get a framework together and a plan? Well, I'm an innovation lawyer and I've had conversations about everything from, uh, you know, perpetual motion machines to, uh, you know, all the developments in the, in the innovation space in the last 40 years I've had some connection with. So I, I knew that um, 
infrequently there there would be a world-class breakthrough where the Australian business community failed to see the commercial implications. I mean, stem cell technology, computers, the, the stories go on. And in, and in some ways, it wasn't until the CSIRO decided to defend the copyrights in Wi-Fi that Australia really stood up for itself on the world stage, although we'd had other developing uh, technologies in vitro fertilisation. There, there were other industrial models that, that I'd studied but I didn't realise when I wrote to Jack that 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 the surveyors would would then invite me to participate in the development of an industrial model. So the surveyors trust is the end play of of around three years of work by Jack Delange and the surveyors in Queensland alone, for reasons that I'll explain. Uh, because the, the the story becomes even more extraordinary uh, since since this concept was was brought to Jack's attention by me in my cheeky letter. So he invited me in and then began the process of, of, of accustoming me, uh, educating me about spatial data. So I was not a lawyer that was in any way, I'm not a technical lawyer, I'm a digital Luddite. And, and all these principles um, were completely new to me. But Jack and, and the others were patient um, I could tell there was a rather frosty relationship between the legal profession and the surveying profession. I heard horrifying tales of of uh, of, of, uh, of of legal of the legal profession not really understanding the difficulty and subtleties of what surveyors do, and and there was a bit of a gulf that needed to be traversed. Um, and, and I was never confronted with that because Jack and the and the and the team that he put together introduced me to so many people. Um, uh, uh, I began to see that, that surveyors and lawyers weren't the best bedfellows. So um, what Jack did then was commission, um, had to discover what, what this meant for the surveyors. And eventually we had to create the issue. We, what was the issue that meant the surveyors had a monetary interest in this issue? So we, we recognised that surveyors lodged title plans in the, on the surveyor, on the Registrar General, and that the survey plans were put into, into a digital cadastra, and that, and that those survey plans were being interrogated, uh, uh, and a separate database was being created, and that database was being monetised by the government. So effectively, the surveyors lodged survey plans at one end of the system, and at the other end, um, Two things were happening. Firstly, the Queensland Registrar General was doing a remarkably efficient job over many years using the unique, internationally unique principles of Torrance Title to administer land dealings in this state. So they were doing a great job doing that. But they had developed an entrepreneurial interest in exploiting the spatial data. And this was, they were entirely forgiven for that because there was no principles, no precedent for the, the concepts that we were dealing with. So the first thing we had to do was establish the concept of whether a surveyor lodging a surveyor's title under directions from his client, um, those, those drawings that, that someone else paid for, the copyright stayed with the surveyor and they didn't lose that copyright when it was uh, fed into the, into the land administration system. So there were two people who might have claimed entitlement to the copyright, either the client or the, the state government who were using the copyrights to administer uh, a state um, function. 
These were unexplained principles at the time, and they would later become to be argued at great length uh, in the three court cases that flowed from the work that the Queenslanders did. So Jack uh, commissioned, or the, the, the Institute commissioned a, a report at the time. I think the report uh, involved a, a, a major accounting firm in town, um, uh, the Software Engineering Association, who were the uh, uh, the, the first incarnation of the smart state for the survey for the uh, software industry. They wrote a business model. The accountants valued the copyrights that the surveyors were lodging, and I had to um, address these legal principles. Um, I think uh, uh, we all we each made. Um, I think I got fifteen grand for my job. Uh, so the, these principles that hadn't been hadn't been established. I had to research the, the dynamic and then I had to work the principles. I was uh, assisted at the time by a, a, an, un, uh, an unqualified clerk called Ian Reid, who's now a senior copyright partner at uh, Freehills. And we, we, we didn't formally brief any of the barristers. We, we didn't have enough budget for barristers. But we did make some phone calls to the copyright mafia in Sydney. In fact, to the very man who would later oppose the surveyors in one of the court cases, and we'll talk about that. And I, he was Australia's foremost copyright lawyer at the time, copyright barrister, and I explained what we were doing, and he said, um, on first principles, this sounds right. I, I think you're right. There's no principle. There's no precedent, but I think you're on to something. So um, having the principle is one thing. Convincing the rest of the surveying industry to take an interest is another, and then finding a way to monetize it was... Um, was uh, was the third issue, and uh, on both those issues, as usual, uh, well, as became usual, uh, Jack Delange and the Queenslanders were steadfast and courageous and visionary, and uh, set me off on a lecture circuit around Australia to talk to the rest of the uh, the profession, and then to present the inaugural paper on these principles in Newcastle in 1996 at the annual surveying conference. Um, and even those events were uh, were extraordinary. But that's that's such a, a huge amount of work and achievement. And I think looking at the surface of it, because once once something has passed and it comes to be, um, sometimes it's easy to forget the benefits and the you know the change that that made. So you know, particularly for any any sort of early career surveyors who are listening to this, explain the difference. John, that if this work hadn't been done, what difference would it make to them? Like, what? Tell us about the real achievement, just so that's really highlighted. Ram at home. The real achievement here is, is the establishment of the spatial guard profession and industry and and industrial framework in Queensland. So it's no surprise that that. Um, uh, the events that Jack uncovered and and activated and and worked on uh, were were familyed and fostered and nurtured in the in the hot tub of the smart state in Queensland. Um, to their immense credit, Jack immediately took the issue to the state government of Queensland, and they were the first state government to recognise it. It might not have been the most generous solution, but it was immediate. It wasn't adversarial. 
they had to make admission. Well, not they didn't have to make admissions, but they they were courageous in accepting an issue from a from a profession. This was unheard of in any profession that that there would be passive income for surveyors. So essentially, there was a, a royalty to be paid for the misuse of the copyrights by the titles office, and. Um, state government accepted this and established the principle in Queensland and came to a, a financial arrangement with the profession. So there was a there was a, a small but significant amount of money deposit, needed to be deposited and, and and Jack had to develop a business model and set up a, a trust, that, set up a, an entity that would uh, pay the men who developed, the men and women who developed the, um, to develop the titles. So uh, it's an extraordinary act of industrial entrepreneurship and um, uh, I was there for those years of turmoil and trouble. Things to keep in mind is that the rest of the bodies did not did not um, get involved. They, 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 I was delayed in coming down to that conference in 1996 and I was supposed to come to a, a preliminary meeting the previous night where Jack was going to you know, get to the other member, other chief executive officers of the other state bodies and tell them what he discovered. And um, I missed it because I had a, a mediation in Brisbane and I missed my plane. Uh, that night, Jack got a, a fairly chilly reception from the rest of the, the state bodies and so we soon realised that Queensland was on its own. So, um, and, and uh, so... When I when I gave the lecture the next day, um, even though the rest of the, the civilians weren't too excited, there were five registrar generals who'd flown in for the paper. What's extraordinary about about this achievement is is um, is that a, a small you know I, I can't imagine you know I only met about twenty individual blokes at that stage. There were no gals involved. And there were some names I'd love to mention, but I have no permission to do that, who, who helped. Uh, the courage and the vision displayed by the uh, Institute and, and, the bot and, and on behalf of the Trust, because we had to figure out ways of, of, of joining a creative community um, and setting up another form of collective bargaining about copyright. So uh, the, the surveyors needed to industrialise uh, the collection of, of royalties and they now join uh, only two or three professions who have done it. Writers have done it and musicians have done it and songwriters have done it. So there's, and the biggest group of those, as you can imagine, are the songwriters and the musicians. Um, so they collect about 400 grand, uh, 450, 000, sorry, $450 million a year for, for music being played in public. But there hadn't been a new stream of copyright collection in this country for 50 years. And, John, you believe it's the only decision... And that's what... Uh, oh, sorry, the only decision that, of its kind in the what, world. That's what the surveyors have managed to do. Yes. In Queensland. And, I, and I'm, I'm not sure that it, it still has come to the other states as yet. I, I have a sense it's not as fully developed interstate as it is here. Incredible. Oh, John, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to add before we wrap up? It's been brilliant to hear the story firsthand. Well, it's, uh, what, what, what is fascinating for me is that uh, um, uh, my business was getting bigger and more complicated. I, I, 
I was exhausted after these five years. Um, uh, another wonderful mentor for me at the time was a surveyor called Brian uh, McLennan, uh, who I think is still active in this area. He's an extraordinary chap. Uh, he shares my interest in the music industry. He was a, an accomplished musician himself, and I, I saw his band play um, a wonderful version of blues rock many times. And um, He took me aside and, and tried to guide me through these political uh, stage gates. But after five years, I was pretty exhausted, and I couldn't see where this was headed. And uh, so uh, after a while, I was on the, the board of the Surveyors Trust for a while, and I was a shareholder and a trustee. Um, but eventually I, I became tired and, and stepped away. And that finished me between about uh, 1998 and probably, you know, 20 years later. I, I had a few involvements. Jack would pop up at my lecture circuit every now and then, and he invited me to a couple of breakfasts. Um, and for a moment there, the, the Queensland legal profession took a little interest in all this as far as their rights are concerned. Um, I don't think these, these classes are closed. But, um, but there won't be ever uh, the difficulties for the future. If people, other professions decide to pursue this, um, this, this uh, line of being compensated for, the, for their copyrights in an industrial setting, uh, then they'll be building on the principles that uh, the Queensland surveying profession, now known as the, uh, I think it's the Spatial Data Business Association. Spatial data now defines the profession, it's no longer seen as a, as a, as a body that, that develops, uh, that, that delivers services, and of course they do, they, the highest standards of the Queensland profession, but now they're recognised principally for their, for their creation of spatial data, and not only are they recognised for that, but they're financially rewarded for it, and, it, and it's a, an extraordinary tale of, of uh, industrial and professional determination and responsibility and entrepreneurship. And I'm, uh, I'm uh, grateful and, and fortunate to have been a part of it. That's fantastic. Thanks, John, so much for your time this morning and sharing your story and for the extraordinary contribution that you've made to the surveying industry. We'll, we'll wrap it up there, but, yeah, thanks so much again, John. Cheers, Megan. Thank you, and thank you to all the listeners. Pleasure. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. 